Welcome to the Music of America podcast, where every week we visit a different state in America and meet a different guest in the music industry. Every day, Monday through Friday, we begin in Alabama and we end in Wyoming. I'm your host, Tom Pollard. Let's talk music here on the Music of America. The Music of America podcast continues. We're kicking off the week in New York with a trip up to Utica. And our guest today is Jay Schnitt. We'll talk with Jay about some of his songs and his songwriting prowess. I was talking to a friend of mine about my brother's couple's workbook. It's called Two Years After Forever. It's sort of a, a how-to guide to improve your communication skills, which, as anyone knows in any relationship, it's uh, it's crucial. So as we spoke later in the conversation, I mentioned the book again. Two Years After Forever is the name of the book I told you my brother wrote. And she interrupts me and says, oh, your brother's book. I thought you meant a book you borrowed from your brother. That's three words, my brother's book. Two entirely different interpretations. In two years after forever, there are exercises that help you form better communicative skills to avoid pratfalls like that one. Along with your partner, learning and applying these exercises help you get back on track to why two years ago, you pledged your life together forever. Two years after forever, www.twoyearsafterforever.com, available at Amazon today and forever. Jay Schnitt is our guest here from upstate New York. And uh, is 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 there like New York City and then everything else is upstate? Is that how that works? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, people in, uh, in, in the city consider upstate like, you know, uh, an hour north of the city, but they, oh. they forget about the whole rest of the state. So we're uh, we're kind of right in the center. Okay. Um, we're in we're in Vermont, and we look across Lake Champlain to the Appalachian, or not the Appalachian, the Adirondacks. But I think of that as upstate New York because you you're almost in Canada. Sure. You know, but then uh, I also had friends in Syracuse who considered that upstate New York. So I just I gave up on the whole thing. I just figured New York City, and then everything else is upstate. <laughs> yeah, we, we, you know, where where I'm at, we're called Central New York, Upstate New York, or yeah, okay. Call it. Are you from there originally? Yep, yep yeah. Grew up here. Born and raised. No kidding. Yeah, born and raised. Uh, I've done a lot of traveling, but uh, I've always, I've always uh, kept my roots here. So, how long have you been playing music? Um, I started playing uh, about uh, probably about twenty years now. You know, going on twenty years. Uh, wow. Uh, I'm I'm just recently in my forties now, and uh, so I started playing when I was around twenty. Um, like in college playing. or uh i never really went to college but right after kind of high school i started yeah. to picked up a guitar uh for the first time i played trumpet a lot um not a lot well i played trumpet in high school uh-huh. uh, bands and stuff like that and uh, i you know i knew i loved music um and uh i wanted it to be a big part of my life um i didn't think it would take over as much as it has but <laughs> Um, so after high school, I picked up a guitar um, and immediately started writing and uh, really put out my first record uh, a few months after that. Well, that's impressive. A lot of times, you know, people pick up the guitar, whatever their instrument or whatever, and they don't usually start writing. They start playing other people's music. OPM. Yeah, I, I didn't, you know, I, I, I always, I've always loved writing. Um, it's uh -huh. always, my, you know, one of my first loves, um, you know, whether it be short stories or, or whatever poetry you know some you know mediocre bad high school poetry stuff like that you know that was that was my thing in high school roses are red violets um, are blue i can't rhyme yeah <laughs> um, and so you know when i started playing the guitar um which was kind of an accident actually like uh 
somebody, I, I kind of ended up on stage at a friend of mine's show uh, with a guitar in my hand. And uh, I just kind of, kind of goofed off. You know, I, I wasn't, you know, obviously playing very well because I didn't know what the hell I was doing, but uh, this was kind of fun. But I didn't realize that, like, you know, you're supposed to learn other people's songs. First, <laughs> you know I mean? Like, or, or whatever. It, it just kind of never occurred to me because I just knew I always wanted to write. So yeah. um, that's kind of how I taught myself how to play the guitar um, was through the writing process. So you've been a writer longer than you've been a musician, I guess. Even I though you played that. trumpet, you didn't really yeah. write songs for the trumpet. Now, do you have that uh, in the back of your head every once in a while when you're writing a song? That, that This might be a good place for horns because you've got that brass background. Does that ever work? Sure. Your... Um, yeah, there's one record I put out a few years ago that actually has a lot of horns on it. Okay. Um, and, you know, and over the years, I've picked up other instruments and... In, uh, on my uh, albums, I pretty I, I play all the instruments. I, I kind of do everything myself. So, oh no, kidding! Um, I have a studio, you know. So if I, I'm I'm doing a song and I want to throw a banjo on it, I can just grab the banjo and you know I don't really I don't I wouldn't say I know how to play any of these instruments, but I kind of teach myself, you know, for for the purposes of the song. Um, yeah, there's a song by Neil Young called "Old Man," right? You know, familiar with the song, <laughs> and uh, there's a banjo in the background. You know who's playing the banjo? I just read this. It was uh, was it James Taylor? James Taylor, yeah. I just I, read that like yesterday. Isn't it cool? Uh, yeah. th that whole music scene back then must have been something to have been in like Laurel Canyon, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, do you read a lot, which inspires a lot of writing? Or do you just live life and that inspires your writing? Oh, both. I do read quite a bit. Uh -huh. How many books would you say you read a year? Oh, geez, I don't know. It's hard to say. It depends on the year, too. Oh, okay. You know, yeah, it depends on if there's COVID or not, right? Sometimes you got a good year. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm a, a big history fan. Oh, yeah? Love, uh, um, history. And, you know, well, pretty much anything. I, I generally usually have, like, kind of a, a nonfiction history book that I'm reading um, mm -hmm. or science or, or whatever it may be, and then, like, a fiction book when I'm kind of in the mood for something. Uh, you know, it's it's good to, you know, so I usually, I'm usually, you know, in the process of reading two or three books at a time, you know, uh, plus I have a short attention span, so I got to kind of jump. Uh, jump <laughs> my my sister posted something about like, if you read 20 pages a day of a book, by the mm -hmm. end of a year, you'll have read, and I can't remember what the number is, like 60 or 80 books. Wow. Yeah. And that's something just to read 20 pages a day. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I, I don't think I've read 80 books in my entire adult life. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I started reading when I was before kindergarten, I was reading, you know. Mm -hmm. And I read all through high school, read through college. And uh, uh, when I was in radio uh, a couple of lifetimes ago, I had to read a lot because I did a lot. I did a talk show, so I had to stay abreast of current affairs and had to know what I'm talking about. So I had to have some references and so on and so forth. And I think because I had to read so much, I just got tired of it. You know? Yeah. Now, yeah. now I'm old and retired. Now I want to read again. <laughs> I know. It does take a little bit of effort, but you know, once you're once you're in it, it's it's, it's not much. So do you have a favorite author? Oh, it's hard to say. Not really. Yeah. Um, again, my you know, I think I think my favorite author ch author changes from day to day. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. not. That's what like, oh, here's my favorite song now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you play just acoustic for the most part, though. You do have other instruments in your in, on your albums, but when you're out doing a performance, you just go up with an acoustic guitar. 
Um, when I play live, I generally do, uh, I have an acoustic. It's a weird, I kind of have a, an odd setup. I kind of, uh, when I perform solo, I generally perform as uh, almost like a one-man band um, oh. where I have a, a, a kick drum that I've made into a, or a suitcase that I've made into a kick drum. Oh, really? <laughs> I sit on, and then I strap a uh, tambourine uh, to my other foot and uh, stomp on a washboard um, with that foot. And then my guitar, uh, you know, and this is, again, only only when I play live. None of my yeah. recordings sound like right. this. Um, but I have the, the regular acoustic guitar, you know, mm -hmm. plugged in like anybody would. But then I also have a pickup that uh, it picks up each individual string um, separately. So really? I, interesting. So I have three, basically I have three lines of the guitar out um, at the same time. So on the low E and A strings, I run through a Mellotron pedal, which kind of simulates some uh, cellos or strings. And then on wow. the high strings, I run a delay. I like delay sometimes, but when it's on the whole guitar, it, it kind of gets muddy. Yeah. Um, so here I can just kind of be strumming and then hit those top strings for, you know, a little, a little delay. And I don't use it, you know, that, that situation on every song, obviously, but that's kind of my live setup. That's clever. That's clever as all get out, man. I love that. Now um, we have a mutual friend who will actually be on the show tomorrow, Isaac French. Yeah. And uh, he does uh, a one man show, but he does a lot of looping. Yeah. He does the looping. And that's I, I'm intrigued by that. I would in my interview with him, I said he's one of the hardest working musicians I've ever seen because you can see like you can see his brain working like I've got to do this because I got to do this and this is coming up next while he's mm -hmm. being creative on the fly. And sure. that just blows me away to watch a, a show like that. There was a guy in uh, down in Branson named Gordo that we mm -hmm. saw years ago, and he had a, a guitar rack behind him yeah. that would spin. So he'd pick oh, wow. up his bass and doom, doom, ba -doom, boom, boom, ba -doom. So, and then that was on his loop. And then he'd pick up an acoustic guitar and strum something. And then he'd grab the electric guitar and play some leads. I'm like, dude, how do you do this? Goes, it's not yeah. me. It's this thing. And he pointed down to his loop station. So. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen a lot of guys do the looping, especially these days. You know, yeah. um, it's a common thing. I, I've, I tried it at one point, you know, because I used to just go out there with just the acoustic guitar. And I still do that, do that sometimes, you know, for like listening room shows or, you know, some more intimate things. But, uh -huh. you know, if I'm playing a bar, I do the one man band because I was looking for something just to kind of uh, a punch up the whole show as a solo artist. And, yeah. um, you know, do also do something that uh, not really anybody else was doing. Try to come up with something completely original. Well, I'd say using a suitcase is pretty original. <laughs> <laughs> um and uh but you know before that i did attempt the looping and uh for me i just it, it quickly was uh evident that you know my my songs just didn't lend themselves yeah uh, you know to the looping process um so yeah, I'm, I'm like that with a chorus pedal you know the the thing that does the the yeah. harmonizers or whatever they're called mm -hmm. and i you know you can you can sound like the eagles all by yourself and then you yeah. don't and then it sounds right. really bad to me yeah. You know, yeah. and there, I'm there not, are I'm other fan of those vocal harmonizer pedals. Yeah, there are better ones out there, I guess. I just, yeah. uh, I don't know. Well, um, I want to talk about your first song because it had me laughing. It was so funny. And it, I, I don't know you, but it, it's just, it's fresh to hear somebody get political with their music again in a, in a fun way, like you did, yeah. but I've, it still uh, gets I've, your message apart across um, rather. Yeah. I do write a lot of uh, kind of political protest current event songs they're a lot yeah. of fun for me, right um plus i think they're you know important right now 
Um, well, yeah, so, so much I, going I on in out, the world right now. Uh, I put out three whole records of of those type of songs. Some of them um, come at it from like this one, uh, you know, trying to inject some humor. Um, uh, some of them are definitely more serious and more poignant. Um, uh, but there's three whole records worth of, the, of those type of songs. But um, this this particular song, uh, uh, people have really responded to. And, uh, it's well, I, it's hilarious to me because I blame everything on COVID, and you blame mm -hmm. everything on Dylan going. The song is called Dylan Went Electric, right? Yeah, Dylan Went and, Electric, talking yeah, blues, visited. Yeah, yeah and, and I blame you know anything that's wrong in the world. That's COVID. You know, it's all all yeah. COVID. You know, the my 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 New Orleans Saints had the easiest <laughs> record. And they should have had a, a like a twelve and whatever season this year. Oh yeah, missed the playoffs. Yeah. I blamed it on COVID. You know, kind <laughs> <laughs> of have something to blame, I guess. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know, and that's it was kind of funny for this song for me because it it, it kind of came from me and my buddy were up in in my studio uh, after you know this was a little while you know after the the twenty sixteen election. Yeah. Um, so it was like a year or so after that um, where the song started to take form. Uh, but we were up in, in my studio kind of getting drunk and we were like, man, what's the, what the heck's going on? You know, what, yeah. I wonder what this, like, where is this stemming from? What's the, you know, the butterfly that flapped its wings, you know, that type right, of thing. Right, right, right. What's the origin point? And my body just jokingly said, I bet you it's all, because we had previously been talking about uh, a Dylan at the Newport Folk Fest. Uh-huh. And he just kind of like offhandedly, I bet it's all Dylan's fault. And uh, <laughs> so then the next day I started like, I don't know. I just thought that was a. a, a uh, it's actually hilarious. And it's a, it, all, and like I said, it's really refreshing because I'm, I'm a child of the sixties and seventies. So I grew up in that kind of music, you know? Yeah. And, and to hear it coming across the way it does. So it's, it's, you're really poking fun at stuff, but you're also making really good points. Oh, and, and, and to me, that's, that's just brilliant. And that's uh, that's great writing. Uh, I was telling somebody like we were talking about. I was talking to somebody the other day about. Uh, 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 oh, it's a I can't remember the name of the show, but it's a show. She says I should be watching, and I said, you know what? If it's written well, I'll watch it and I'll enjoy it. Right. I don't care what the subject matter is, and uh, that's how I feel about this song. So let's give it a listen, shall oh, we? Man. Our our guest here is Jay Schnitt, and the song is called "Dylan Went Electric." Here on the Music of America podcast. Well, here goes nothing again. Summer of 65, Bob Dylan got bored and maybe a little tired from picking and strumming on stage all alone. He put a band together, just wanted to play a little rock and roll. You know, he still wanted to say stuff, he just wanted to say it a little louder. And that right there was when the end got started. The fans started booing, they didn't like it louder, and the whole wide world started to lose their minds. Even Pete Seeger picked up an axe and tried. Put an end to the whole dang thing You know we would have been better off if he had Cause Dylan went electric in 1965 And then the world went insane Now we're all gonna die Now we're in the state we're in Wanna know the reason why It's all cause Dylan went electric in 1965 Stop, they took the show on tour, they kept getting louder, used more and more electricity to drive their amps to get where they were going, they used all of the gas, well most of it, some enough, put us over the edge, 
You know, oil don't grow on trees, man, and that's why there's war in the Middle East. And they got so loud they heard it in Washington. They said, where's all that noise coming from? A racket like I never heard before. What's making all them kids so sore? Somebody better call the cops. Send in the National Guard, shut them all up. Remind them what it means to be American. Create them up, ship them all off to Vietnam. Finally, we got some peace and quiet. Cause Dylan went electric in 1965 and then the world went insane. Now we're all gonna die. Every single war we've ever had to fight. Yeah, it's all cause Dylan went electric in 1965. But unfortunately, one night in Wichita, Dylan Sam developed a peculiar flaw, transimolecular transmodification, which in turn produced a lethal amplification. And by the time they got to like a rolling stone, they'd blown a hole straight through the ozone. That's some real science stuff. True facts. Read a book. Then the thump of the bass, it created a reaction chain, pushed some air down a fifth of Maine, where it created a kind of sonic whirlpool. Started growing, getting bigger than soon, the whole dang thing got out of hand. Started gaining power all across the land, yeah, it sucked up all that CO2, and then by subterranean homesick blues, the whole thing finally gave out and blew. Sending chemicals and gases into the air, eventually destroying our atmosphere. Global warming, climate change, you know, scientists keep saying it's you and me. You gotta go back to the source, man. Thanks a lot, Dylan. Cause Dylan went electric in 1965 and the world went insane. Now we're all gonna die. Hurricanes and floods melted off the polar ice. Yeah, it's all cause Dylan went electric in 1965. Donald Trump was a kid, he got invited to a show, but he said he was busy, he declined to go. Said he had better things to do, you know, get peed on, sniff some glue, but when he heard he had missed such an epic event, he felt left out, had to put in his own two cents. He said, Bob Dylan, so overrated, sad. From that point on, an idea started forming. The one gear that worked in his head started turning. He just couldn't shake it out of his head. 51 years later, finally stood up and said, if they let Dylan get away with that, and all I've been doing is talking crap. Seems like folk here ain't too choosy. Think I can go out and grab some presidential votes. <laughs> Seems like they'll let you get away with anything around here if you do it loud enough. Dylan inspiration. Dylan went electric in 1965 and the world went insane. Now we're all gonna die. Now we're evil whiny man, baby, is our president 45. All cause Dylan went electric in 1965. In the next few years were a bit of a fright, but we were trudging along, still fighting the fight. We didn't quite know how bad things could get. Can someone tell me, is America great again yet? from Dylan for a while and I thought that was maybe a silver lining but then he wrote his first new song since the election decided to put out a brand new record Rough and Rowdy Ways released in the year 2020 Need I Say More and The answer my friend is 
again, so is COVID-19, so everybody better quarantine, them fires out west are burning the ground flat, the wind surely ain't the answer to that, no one knows who to trust or who to believe, but I can sure tell you one thing, it sure ain't Bob Dylan, you know that's not even his real name, it's Robert Zimmerman, what you trying to hide, Bob? Dylan went electric in 1965 And then the world went insane And now we're all gonna die The year 2020 came and screwed with all our lives All cause Dylan went electric in 1965 So if you've been wondering where things went wrong I think it's safe to say it all leads back to that time Dylan picked up a Stratocaster for the first time Unintended consequences of speaking your mind But we made pie charts, spreadsheets, double check the facts Performed interviews and it all leads back to the Newport Folk Festival 1965. I even mentioned Enron, Exxon, Mobile Citizens United, Flat Earthers, Russian Collusion, Tom Petty died, Prince died, David Bowie died, Eddie Van Halen died, Dylan still kicking. Coincidence? I don't think so. Wanna blame someone for the state we're in? I say we might as well blame Bob Dylan. It's alright, he can take it. And anyway, it's easier than blaming ourselves. Cause Dylan went electric in 1965, and then the world went insane, and now we're all gonna die. Taking responsibility, ah yeah, right, I'll just blame Dylan going electric in 1965. Electric in 1965. Jay Schnitt, our guest here on the Music of America podcast, and the longer version, Jay, why don't you tell us? Because I, I, I cut it off by saying Dylan went electric, but it's actually Bob Dylan went electric back in 1968, revisited. Is that correct? It's uh, uh, close, 1965. Uh, oh. Bob. Bob, the official title is Bob Dylan Went Electric in 1965, Talking Blues Revisited. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And, but most people just call it Dylan Went Electric. And it's a really long song and yeah. almost as long title. Exactly. <laughs> but the next song we're going to talk about is one word. It's dinosaurs. So we'll yep. talk about that after I talk about octave mandolins here. Joe Mendel's signature piece of art gives you that sweet tone. Somewhere between a mandolin and a guitar, it's the octave mandolin that he builds. It has that mandolin punch while also delivering the sustain and the range of a guitar. And he builds them to your specifications. You might prefer the Adirondack top to the Sitka. Maybe you like black walnut, mahogany, rosewood, maple, whatever. You select the wood. You select the style. And Joe will make it for you. Your very own octave mandolin. All in part flavor of their own to the tone. I call them Mendel's Mandos. He calls it the octave mandolin. Available at Joe Mendel Fretz, joemendelfretz.com. Jay Schnitt is our guest, and Jay, over your, now this is audio only, but over your right-hand shoulder, I see the neck and a headstock of a guitar. Is that your guitar, your go-to guitar, or is that just one of the guitars around the house? No, that's just the uh, the house guitar. That doesn't, uh, it's a, it's kind of a, it's, it's, it's not a very good one, but uh, that's the one I keep around the house when I need to strum. So gotcha. uh, I got my studio um, where, where most of my stuff is at. Yeah, I try to, I try to have a guitar in every room because you just never yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> and it, it lends me to the joke, you know how many guitars a guitar player needs? <laughs> one more. Oh, right. <laughs> and I, I just I got just bought another one. Yeah. Did you? Yeah. What'd yeah. you get? 
What'd you get? Uh, it's a, uh, a Yamaha, uh, a Yamaha of all things. Never thought I'd play one, but uh, it's just a beautiful guitar. It's a mm -hmm. Yamaha Red Label, something or other. Um, yeah. Because uh, I needed something. Generally, my go-to guitar is a is a Martin triple O body, mm -hmm. uh, and I love it. Uh, but you know, the past few years, I played so many gigs. It's just kind of I just beat the hell out of the thing. Yeah. Uh, and it needed some work, so I gave it to a, a guitar tech. Uh, he's got it now, working on it, um, getting it back up to getting it back in shape. So I got this Yamaha is kind of my uh, you know the workhorse, so yeah. I could. You know, keep in the in the car in the cold when I need to stuff like that. I've lost, I think, three guitars in my life. Not lost, but you know, like had to give them up. Uh, first guitar I played was a Lyle twelve string. That's what mm -hmm. I learned on, and the neck was so bowed it was a, about an inch gap down at the oh. like at the twelfth fret. You know, <laughs> that was fun. Uh, then I had an electric guitar a buddy of mine gave to me, and I had it in uh, like an old closet at my mom and dad's house. And then one day I went to find it and. It was just gone. Oh no! And <laughs> nobody knew where it went. And and then just the other day, my luthier uh, friend Joe Mendel actually uh, Mendel's frets. Um, he built me a guitar, and he also fixes my guitars. Oh, okay. And uh, I had an old Washburn acoustic, and and the glue had pulled off the the bridge. To where mm -hmm. it, was, it looked like a trap door, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he just sent me pictures of it when he took the bridge off. the The body's got a crack, and he goes, "It's." For what this thing is, what it's going to cost to fix it, just go buy another guitar. And I'm like, oh, we can't give up on one of my babies. <laughs> it's tough, isn't it? Uh, isn't, it yeah. isn't it tough? Have you had to trash or uh, axe any of your axes, I guess? Uh, no, no. I, I kind of, you know, I've, I've sold a few along the way. And, you know, I've got a number of acoustic. I got a number of electric guitars. Uh, my my Telecaster I love. Yep. Um, and then, uh, you know, like I said, I got pretty much every other instrument you can think of up, uh, up there. Um, have you so. played with a, played with a band before Jay? Yeah, I played in a number of bands, uh, uh, many years ago. Uh, the first band, uh, I started playing with called, uh, the Reuben James. Uh, we were kind of, a kind of that alt country, uh, a vibe, uh, that was kind of early, Early two thousands, two thousand four, three or so. And we were together for a number of years. Um, really, through all these things, uh, you know, I've always done the solo thing as well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's kind of always been the priority. But you know, the band we were together for ten years, put out a few albums. Um, you know, in the just played around the central New York area. Um, Did you ever cross paths with a band called God's Children out of Syracuse? Nope. It would no, have been it would have been about when you got started because I yeah. think uh, it's a, a it's a clan a, a family uh, people that I knew uh, my ex wife's family was from there and okay. and he went off and he's actually in entertainment law now in Vegas you know <laughs> but wow. uh, they get together about once every few years and they they'll play someplace in Syracuse and pack the place oh, because cool. it's kind of fun yeah. you know they have that kind yeah, of. Fun. Yeah, no, we, uh, this band did a reunion show uh, this past summer, and uh, it was, that was a ton of fun. It was it's been, you know, ten fifteen years or so since uh, you know we were playing around. So yeah, it was uh, you know just playing those old songs, and uh, that was a ton of fun. Um, after the Reuben James, I started a band called Archipelagos, which was more uh, I don't know how to describe it. It was uh, a little more really kind of prog rock influenced. A lot of uh, 
influenced by that kind of 70s uh, genesis yeah. and, and stuff like that. A lot of weird time signatures. Yeah. Um, you know, very different than what I'm primarily known for, which is kind of folk music, yeah. um, obviously. Uh, that band was a ton of fun. Um, and I've, uh, you know, uh, sat in with other bands here and there. Um, and uh, I've actually just now started a, a new band. Oh, um, really? And uh, we're kind of just working out. We're just writing everything from scratch together. Um, and uh, that's kind of in the more, more again, uh, a little more experimental, kind of some prog rock influences. And uh, that's a lot of fun. So hopefully we'll have our first uh, record out this year at some point. But, but it's a whole different identity than Jay Schnitt then, right? Yeah, for sure. That's That's fun. That's fun, man, to be able to do that and have a couple of projects going on like that and oh, have yeah. two different places to express yourself in two different media, yeah. you know? That's that's pretty cool. Now, I've got a grandson. I've got a grandson who's turning three, mm -hmm. and he is obsessed with dinosaurs, okay? Oh, yeah? So I was so excited when I saw you had a song called Dinosaurs, and I'm, I don't think he's going to get it yet. Right. <laughs> and it's not dinosaurs in the in the regret that he would understand, because if it's not sure. singing about a... a and and it, it's so funny because everybody knows like the T-Rex and Velociraptor and whatever. Mm -hmm. He knows more dinosaurs by name and sight than I've ever read of <laughs> in my life. Yeah. And he's got their, he watches television shows and National Geographic and documentaries and obsessed, obsessed with dinosaurs. I mean, if he had a train shaped like a dinosaur, he'd be in heaven, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so tell me what, uh, what dinosaurs is about. It's, um, I kind of describe it as a uh, archaeological love song um, of sorts. I don't know. It's 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 kind of buttressed by these two verses, and they take place hundreds or thousands of years apart. However, you want to you want to look at it. Um, yeah. I guess essentially, it's it's a song about uh, yearning to be uh, uh, remembered in some way, or trying to find something that's lasting. Um, something that uh, uh you know you can hold on to i suppose um so you know the first verse starts off um with this couple you know carving their names into a into a rock or a stump or a tree or something like that on the bank yeah. of a river you know how like people do with the heart and their initials or right, right. carve your name into your desk at school i was here you know 19 right. or whatever um and then you know the last verse so again kind of echoes that first verse but at this point um it's far into the future um and you know somebody's kind of unearthing this fossilized uh uh, uh this fossilized kind of uh what's the word uh, uh oh i don't it the came to me and left yeah. right now yeah it, 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 um, left already but yeah no exactly what you mean uh, you know evidence that yeah. uh, this love between these two people has existed. Yeah. Um, and in between, you know, the, the chorus uh, um, is just kind of uh, asking if, you know, uh, we'll be remembered. Um, you know, and that's something I think about a lot, too, in writing these songs. I want them, I, I think, at least some of the songs are, you know, good enough to, to hopefully stand the test of time and last and, and and mean something down the road. Yeah. Um, you know, of you, course that's, that's the hope, but, uh, are you familiar with the song called temptations of Adam? 
oh, that's one of my favorite songs of all. That's time. what that that struck me as that type of song. You know, mm. immediately after hearing, I think it was after the first chorus, maybe that 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 triggered with me. Like this yeah. is like that same feel, that same emotional uh, draw that Temptations of Adam mm -hmm. has. You know, yeah, yeah, unbelievable. So, and that's something, and that's something because that uh, that's what I got out of it. That wasn't oh, necessary. Maybe it was your goal. I don't know, but uh, you get your I, own. I, I I wrote the song before I ever heard that song. Actually. Really? Um, but uh, no, that's a that's a huge compliment. I'll take oh, that. Uh, okay, then. How about <laughs> that? Well, the song is called Dinosaurs. Our guest is Jay Schnitt from Utica, New York, and we're going to give it a listen right now here on the Music of America podcast.
with Jay Schnitt here on the Music of America podcast. I'm your host, Tom Pollard. We've got one more song of Jay's we're going to listen to after I talk about my neighbor's product called Kitty's Litter Box. It's really this simple, okay? You buy Kitty's Litter Box, open the box, place litter in the box, introduce the box to your cat. After the cat has done their business for, you know, about a month or so, throw it away. That's it. Close the box, throw it away. Just Close the box, grab the handle of this biodegradable box, and throw it away. It's perfect for traveling with your favorite feline. It's affordable. It's convenient. And that's the one thing I didn't like about when we had cats. And I don't know how it became my job, but I'm the one that always had to change the litter box, you know, clean the litter box or whatever. Well, if Kitty's litter box was around 20 years ago, who knows? I might still have cats. Kitty's litter box, all lowercase, kittieslitterbox.com. Order today. It's perfect. So, Jay Schnitt, the next song we want to talk about, I I've, I got to tell you, I listened to the song three times today before this podcast, and the song is called The Horse Latitudes. I don't get it. You know, and, and it's like art. It's like huh? looking, looking at a Picasso, you know, or looking at a, a Rembrandt, and sometimes I can see the art, and sometimes I'm like, I don't get it. That's why I'm banned from a lot of museums, you know, because <laughs> I just don't get it. So, please explain to me what... The title has to do with the song and then what the song is supposed to be about. Okay, um, definitely. The uh, So I was reading, I wrote this song during the, uh, during the COVID shutdown. Uh -huh. um, and kind of try and, uh, I really wanted to try to capture, uh, you know, that, that collective feeling we were all going through and also inject um, a little bit of hope and... Um, uh, into the whole situation. Um, but I was reading a book about um, ancient mariners, um, and there's a section of the ocean uh, where it's on the same parallel as the Sahara Desert. Oh, yeah. Um, and in this uh, the, this latitudinal, latitudinal range, um, oftentimes there's very little wind, um, there's very little cloud cover, um, and so ships would get stranded there um, for for sometimes weeks or months at a time, um, just kind of waiting for the wind to to pick up, yeah, and get them on their way. And uh, so uh, these mariners eventually this this region ended up becoming known as the Horse Latitudes because oftentimes, uh, um, you know, the people on the ship they would have horses with them, you know, to wherever they were going. Yeah. Um, a very valuable uh, commodity, obviously. Um, but in order to save water, save food, um, maybe even lighten the load on the ship to try to get them moving, they would often have to toss their horses overboard. Oh my um, gosh. Horrifying as that sounds and is. Um, it was kind of a, a last ditch effort um, and a last option. Um, so this region 
it became known as the horse latitudes. And uh, yeah, reading about this, I, I, I found a, uh, this kind of uh, parallel with what we were going through at that time um, with the shutdown and everything, just kind of awaiting um, in this uh, a state of collective uh, fear, collective apprehension, um, staring into the unknown, um, wondering, you know, uh, what we were going to have to do. Um, so it kind of felt like we were in a similar, you know, metaphorical right. situation. So we're in a horse latitude. Right? We're, we, we're going nowhere. We were exactly. going nowhere. We were right. on hold and nobody knew what the end was going to look like. Right. Um, so, now so I, that's where right. that came from. Now, now I get it. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll listen to it again. And this time I'll listen to it knowing what the song is about. And now yeah. then I'll, then I'll get it. See, it's like when somebody says, well, it's just a can of Campbell soup. They'll explain to me why Warhol did that, you know, and then I can get it, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. so. So, so in the song, you'll find a lot of uh, in kind of uh, maritime references and references to ships and, and things like that. So, Do you remember the book offhand? Oh, I don't. Um, I wonder if I have it. So on the uh, on the video portion of the show, you can't see this, but over yeah, Jay's shoulders, he's got about a thousand books. It looks like. <laughs> um, I think it was called "The Sea and Civilization," something along those lines. Uh, do, you theory, do you have a theory on Atlantis? <laughs> um, probably not, but okay, okay. <laughs> Yes, fair question. All right, well, the song is called The Horse Latitudes. Our guest, Jay Schnitt from Utica, New York, and we'll give it a listen right here, right now, on the Music of America podcast. We set sail at dawn Beyond the horizons That strip off that we wore We weathered the storm and hope that the next one will bring us a little closer to shore And we'll make it through When it's all over Gonna show off the scars that we wore And when I see you Burdens we bear 
the horse latitudes. Now I've got to go read a book. <laughs> Jay Schnitt, our guest here on the Music of America podcast. Jay, this is the last segment of the show that uh, we invite the guests to come in. I, I call it shameless self-promotion, and that's exactly what it's supposed to be. Just talk about how we can find you, find you. Would you say 10 albums you've got out? How we can get those albums, CDs? And- um, I've got, I think, I'm not sure what's up on Spotify right now or you know, you can find my stuff on any streaming service or whatever. Um, I don't quite remember. I've released something in the range of 2022 albums um, over the years. Not all of them are available. And the first few uh, I don't even own copies of because uh, they're not very good. Oh. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, they were. it was a learning process. And some of the songs actually are, are, are fine. But um yeah, you can find them on uh, Spotify, whatever streaming service you use, or you can uh, shoot me a message and I'll send you a CD or whatever. But uh, yeah, there's 20, 20 odd albums. That's just amazing. Uh, and I'm, uh, I'm blown away that you didn't know how to play. play. You didn't know how to play guitar, and you just decided I'm going to play guitar, and then now twenty albums into it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Upcoming yeah, shows, I'm, benefits, uh, anything like that coming up this year. Um, yeah, I am, uh, I'm always playing, uh, you know, up here in New York, uh, anywhere in between kind of, uh, Buffalo and Albany. Um, you can, you can kind of find me, um, occasionally I'll get down to the city, but very rarely. And, uh, I try not to honestly, cause it's a pain in the ass. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I'd rather, you know, but, uh, you know, so mostly around Syracuse, Utica. Okay. Um, area is where, where I'm mostly playing. Um, and you can find out, you know, on my, uh, just go to J, the letter J Schnitt, um, on Facebook. Um, I'm always posting my shows and stuff on there. And, uh, you know, if you give me a follow there, it, uh, it really does help guys like me out quite a bit, you know, being an independent musician, just right. trying to make their way. Um, and it's incredibly hard. So any do, kind of, do you have so- a merch line? Like hats, keychains, things like that. I don't. I just started making T-shirts. Um, kind of. Uh, I'm gonna eventually get them printed. But as of now, we've uh, me and my girlfriend have been kind of making each one individually, handmade. So um, I'm wearing I'm wearing I, a hat of an artist I met last night. Just oh, so, you nice. know, I, I buy merch. You know, yeah, it, it really I, does. <laughs> I'd like to um get some merch, but uh, and I uh, just started making stickers. So, you know, for the first time after doing this for 20 years, uh just starting to get some t-shirts out and the t-shirts say it's kind of become a little slogan of mine folk it till you make it <laughs> i love it that's great well jay it's been fun i uh, hope to see you up yeah, in glad. vermont someday and maybe get you down to missouri someday too you yeah, know yeah, yeah, you got uh, just a really neat style about you and i i i love it it's very uh very subtle it's not clobbering you over the head with things and like I said, you've got a really good, you've got really good messages and a good way to tell your messages or, or you know, Thank share you. your messages. Thank you so much. It's cool. Thanks, man. Jay Schnitt, our guest here on the Music of America podcast up next, uh, singer, songwriter, daddy, husband, friend, in whatever order seems to fit for you. We're going to head to Rome, New York and meet my friend, Isaac French here on the Music of America podcast. You've been listening to the Music of America podcast. If you like today's show, please go to the website at www.musicofamericapod.com or our Music of America podcast Facebook page. Like us and follow the show and episodes. We tally the votes of all our shows, 
and the most listened to shows will be rebroadcast on our best of shows at the end of the season. I look forward to having you with us again and listening to the music of America.